While I was trimming the trees, cutting firewood with my chainsaw this afternoon, high on mushrooms, I had an epiphany. Funny how it works that way, right? Beautiful day. Perfect day. Woke up next to G.I. Mary Jane. Got to get all suited up and dirty. I still have this beard bead stuck on my chin that won't come off, even in my sleep. Pretty fucking amazing. But none of that really compares to just getting out and getting my hands on the chainsaw and the, the visceral satisfaction of cutting wood and having the psilocybin start. Well, oh my gosh, look out the window. Look how beautiful that sky is. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Look at, that, look, at that, look at that sunset sky here in Gardenia, like almost every night. But why, you know, what makes a sunset beautiful? You should know the answer to this by now. The eye of the beholder. So what makes you happy? Now, no talk about happiness, mentioning human happiness, without talking about the things we do to make ourselves happy, which includes a lot of drugs. Uh, we couldn't be complete and have credibility as such. And there, there I... I I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks lately. I got my audiobook game down. While I'm out doing manual labor, I'm listening to audiobooks. And one I listened to lately, or recently, was called Drug Use for Grown-Ups, Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear by Dr. Carl L. Hart. Now, Dr. Hart has some of the most incredible credentials in the field of drug research. As he said, he has given people tens of thousands of doses of drugs in laboratory settings to study their reactions and the effects on them and to document it scientifically. And he spent nearly all of his days of it working creating fear science, research that justifies the fear of the drug war. And I, I kept thinking about him describing his bosses in that capacity and the different people he was working with. And he talked about going to the Philippines under the extreme crackdowns in the war, drug war. Was it war on drugs, drug war, war on people? It's, you can't wait. If you're, it's people who do drugs who are the enemy in the war on drugs, right? So it's really, it's really war on people, war on freedom. And he, he kept talking about the absurdity of it, right? The, the negative response. And this is despite him having been, you know, enmeshed in that world for decades and, and worked as an essential cog in the drug war mach machine as one of the scientific researchers, one of these, these great propaganda, I shouldn't say propagandists, but someone giving credibility. Imagine propaganda, <laughs> imagine credibility, fake credibility, false credibility to the propagandists of the drug war. Who do, do what? They spread fear. It's about fear. And I kept thinking, like, what, what is it that's really behind that? And, and it made me think about, like, I, I, this guy's cause to, to educate people about drugs, to inspire more thoughtful and, 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 and scientifically founded, grounded drug use. 
And he took the general approach, uh, Dr. Hart, of, of wanting to educate people. And I, I certainly believe that there's a component there. And, and, and I've, I've taken it upon myself recently in, in my drug use to get really deep, get, get really intense. Joey and I, Saturday before last, for example, we had some LSD. Oh, what is this? Uh, that book is dope. Oh, we got someone who knows that book. Awesome. Yes, drug use grown-ups. Dr. Carl L. Hart. A good audio book read by the author. Uh, but Joey and I last weekend, or weekend before last, uh, did LSD. And I remember telling her, because we had, we had gotten six tabs from a, as a gift. And I had uh, taken one as a sample before. And it was good. And I said, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go heavier this time. We had five left, and I said, Joey, will you do two? She, she's only how much now? 120 pounds <laughs> to my yeah, like two ten. I know. I, we don't know. We don't. I don't I, know LSD is weight thing. dependent for dosage. I'm a pro at but, LSD. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's a very good point. I do think at a certain level, um, all drugs are weight dose dependent. Right. Obviously, they they have to be. But individual tolerances, conditions and context and the individual uh, comfortability with that state of altered mind definitely it could be described as tolerance. But I don't think that's really I think chemically LSD, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Point is, we decided she was going to take two and I was going to take three. That was going to be like a big deal. I get a release for me to go. I'm going to take three tabs of LSD just like that. I'll generally start with two. That's <laughs> yeah, my starter. Yeah, Jenna. Just, so, like, what about my, my, and then afterwards, I took four tabs of the other LSD, which I think is it's just denatured a little bit because I've had it sitting around for a while. Yeah. And it's, 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 it, it might be just somewhat degraded and, and turned into something else, partly. Um, or weird batch. But then I took four tabs of that and I had a major breakthrough. Like, it was, it was seeing trees waving. Uh, you know, into the hillside and geometric patterns in the sky, and all sorts of crazy things, and and uh, you know, a day full of you know wonderful epiphanies and pleasures and insights and and and, and growth and self knowledge and all of that it was a wonderful experience. But while I was doing, I told Joey, like, you know, compared to so many psychonauts who have gone before us, certainly everything I've done, and dare I say, most of what Joey has done, is like. Dip, dip, into the water ever ever so ever so delicately but I, mean, recently, man, I grew up in the 90s rave scene all the psychedelics <laughs> okay so but going deep and thoughtfully in, in the way that timothy leary yeah that didn't so happen for me till my 30s. activist of his era really showed people what was possible through psychedelics and it's not about precise dosage it's not, I mean, part of it is just incorporating it into your life and being good at doing drugs and, and having a superfluous, superfluous supply of whatever it is that you might want to do. And it's pretty amazing where we're at right now, where it, it, it's a luxury. I'll, 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 I'll gladly recognize my privilege that I get to grow mushrooms um, and basically have as much as I need for myself, that we have access to other people who produce other drugs. But Going back to, to Dr. Hart and drug use for grown-ups, you know, I, I, it, 
in his work to educate people about other drugs, I feel like he was missing some core point. Not that anything he said was wrong, but that he seemed to be keep running into the same wall of resistance to thoughtful, positive, mind-expanding, life-enhancing, conscientious, health-driven, science-founded drug use. There's more adjectives I could throw into that. Double, I could put in a lot of like two-word hyphenated word phrases in front of drug use and say like, yes, this is very good. Health-promoting, mind-expanding, world-altering, vibration-raising. That's really what I want to get to because I know a lot of my audience, our audience with Animal versus the Man, is, is sort of politically inclined, right? Maybe not so much anymore because I've gotten away from they're, it. They're being fashion critics today. Fashion critics. We're going to talk about that too. But I'm going to I'm going to connect that to this opening monologue, and you guys are going to see why I'm doing this this episode tonight in my field. What they're talking about my beard beat or my my just, bandana? Just all of my it. work shirt. Okay, that's, that's all it is. And the, the what the sawdust in my hair. Not see. Not see. Thank you, Bebo Baldessari on Facebook for that comment. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Massage. My guy Coca is looking rough. That's been an awesome few days doing my chainsaw work here, and uh, I've been doing it without with the last of our LSD stash. But here's the point I want to get at because a lot of our audience is sort of more politically inclined. I think I've been. You know, I in my own story, I'm going to use my own story to, to illustrate this, this transformation of thought, that I went from rah-rah collectivism to ooh-rah, kill-em-all Marine Corps to constitution, to liberty, to, I think, to, to lifestyle and, and civil disobedience. And one of the thoughts that I seem to meditate on a lot recently in, in the guidance for my own activism is a quote from Thomas Sowell who said, Sowell, um, you cannot expect positive results from arguing reason and logic with people who are emotionally committed to their positions. And this is where spreading the gospel of psychedelics, psychedelics awareness, positive, conscientious drug use, life-enhancing, uh, is, is a key component of that. But it's, it, it really is a lot deeper even, I hate to say that there's, there's, always, there's always one more layer, Henry David Thoreau, right? For every thousand striking the branches of evil, there is one striking the root. Let's, let's try to strike the root right now of what all of this is about, the struggle for human progress, for freedom, because you've heard me talk about emotional freedom. It's in the book. There's a section in Freedom on emotional freedom that describes the gap between response and conscientious response. That stimulus creates response in us, and that we are able to, we cannot avoid pain, joy, pleasure, hunger, etc. But our response to the response, the frame of mind, what we create in here is entirely up to us. That's emotional freedom. Love leads freedom. Love must come first. 
at least a recognition of self-love. I mean, if you're saying that I want freedom so that my individual will can be expressed and respected in the world, you must be expressing some at least respect, reverence, if not absolute love for the individual human will, for the individual human consciousness, for the collective human consciousness, even in saying so, because you must recognize we all as human beings fundamentally share that same experience. We all, in every moment, have the choice between love and fear. And yes, those are the opposites, right? The opposite of love is not hate. But indifference, what drives that indifference or that disconnect, fear. If love is the force that connects us, that makes us all one, then it is it is fear, at least as a human emotion, that causes separation. Maybe you've heard freedom versus fear. But I would say that if you have your love game dialed in first, it's really just love versus fear. And I think this is particularly relevant right now as we see so many human dynamics colliding. How, we're, we can talk about COVID, right? We're not on YouTube anymore. <laughs> so how long How long into two weeks to flatten the curve are, are we now? Two, two years. years. No, it's, it's two years now. Flatten the, flatten the curve was like two weeks to flatten the curve was Spring 2020 coming up on coming up on spring 2022, <laughs> and I still remain absolutely optimistic. I should say confident in my conclusions that lead me to a rational optimism about human progress. But I think one of the ideas that is underrecognized in all of this, especially for those of us as activists who are motivated because we want to make the world a better place is that what we're really up against isn't government. And it's, it's, it's not even propaganda or lies or, or coercion or a, a lack of recognition or respect for libertarian ethics is, seems to drive everything that I care about, right? No. It's that fundamental choice between love and fear. We all have a choice in developing our lives and designing our lives to say how we are going to pursue love, how we are going to push fear away, how are we going to live in that exuberant state of joy. Well, for me, I'm going to do as much mushrooms as I can <laughs> while playing with my chainsaw and trimming trees in Gardenia. I hope for anybody who bothers to listen to me that some of that spirit of joy and love is contagious. That at least in the way I bring it to the world versus the man, the way I answer seemingly inane questions about current political issues. If anything, I hope that I can get a piece of that all of you. But you know what? I can't. Because that's not how it works. All I can do is point it out. And then you can claim it for yourself. That's emotional feeling. And today, February 9th, 2022, thank you so much for tuning in to Anniversary of the Man. 
I got a lot of coherent thoughts in there. I don't know if it came together coherently, but I hope you all appreciated my meditation on happiness and emotional freedom and psychedelics this evening. I got to say one other thing I, I left out is that there is something sort of forced meditative experience that you get when you do psychedelics, right? Which is the overwhelming sensation. It's a sensation when you do it right. That everything is right in the universe. Let me do the hand signals. Everything is right in the universe because that's how it feels to me. And I hope that everybody gets to enjoy that as much as possible too. I hope that you are motivated and inspired similarly to dedicate your life to sharing something as meaningful. And organize revolt try pure LSD powder. Try liquid LSD. Try liquid LSD. I've done that. Yeah. Out of a dropper. LSD powder. Is my chin beard straight? Has it been crooked? Is my chin beard? Crazy. Not. So yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, yeah. So I just decided I, I've been. I mean, I'm clean like underneath all this. I have like in my a little bit in my hair and my beard and like my face. I have all this dirt and crud and uh, used motor oil, which I use for chainsaw loop. It's great, great upcycling. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but otherwise, like, I'm clean. It's been nice, beautiful, crisp, cool weather here in the mountains. Uh, beautiful, sunny, clear day. I'm wearing like long johns and thick socks and a t-shirt under this, but. Thin gloves and yeah, it's been it's just been beautiful lately. So it's beautiful. been great for getting out and doing that kind of yard work. Um, anybody who wants to be a part of it, you know, come be a part of it. With that, let's get Jim and Joey on screen for producers note. And we do have we have a special producers note announcement from Joey. We did about Snoop Dogg. Our it's not that it's just another news story. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Not to Snoop Dogg since we do it oh. every day. Oh, yeah, for sure. Congratulations to our first new doggy dog. Where is this story posted? This is in the Adam versus the Man one now. It's in the producers. Club. It's in producers. Where club. all our great stories. All our great stories are. We're going to talk about the uh, has acquired Death Row Records, the iconic hip hop label co-founded in the early '90s by Dr. Dre, Dick Griffey, and the DOC. So congratulations. I don't, I don't know. If there's any other. Is there? Any I think that's a multi-million dollar. Record company. So good for Snoop. I don't know. He can he can deal with uh, Martha Stewart, right? He can deal with mainstream media. He can deal with being that. I don't want to call Snoop fake, but I got to. Uh, he's good. He's good at playing the game. Is that fair? Does that make sense? What I'm saying is he's good at playing the. Yeah, but, but I see. Not that. So I can get money and do that too. Well, you need to go rogue and sell out, end up lying to people and censoring prior guests. Well, in that sense, you go and allowing himself to be shackled in his message. We can, we can say that's that's a bad compromise. Using his millions to help his community, I don't think I'd be so upset about him playing that game and selling out. 
Right. Just, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely subjective. What is, what, what constitutes selling out? And then is your selling out good or bad overall, right? We're not saying that selling out is just inherently a condemnable term. But, yeah, you, Joey has pointed out Snoop Dogg has had a certain amount of mainstream commercial success by playing the game well. And all these really, I mean, he's advocated wonderfully for cannabis. He's kind of restrained himself to that as far as I know. Like, he hasn't, but that's fine. You know, you want to sell out so that you can be the promote cannabis with rap music guy? Fuck yeah. You know we'll play you, know you, we'll play you on enough? this show every night. Do you know what he does? I'll bet Snoop Dogg does better shit with his money than Rogan. Google, he sends a, donates a ton of cash, is what it says. Every year to many charities, including Habitat for Humanity, the Orca Network, Save a Life Foundation, Shriners Hospital for Children, the Healing Circle, and more. So he's got a huge focus on the kids. Quite often. That's how rich people yeah. get their deductions, you know. Yeah, so you, with someone as big as Snoop Dogg, you, you need a little more analysis than that, Joey. No offense. You can't just look at a list like that and say, oh, he's legit. Because is that a significant portion? Is it time? Or is it something like his agent said, or his one of his reps said, "Hey, man, we got to put together a portfolio of causes for you. Click some of these these boxes, and we're gonna throw enough money at them for you to look credible with it." Because like everybody but who's they, got they, that they, kind they, of money they, does. They, that. Wouldn't Joe Rogan be doing that with all of his money? We'll do, do the same thing for Joe Rogan. I so. bet he does. He probably yeah, donates a Joe significant Rogan's amount got, of money. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet his are fair, like athletics and youth focus. Back yeah. well further than. And Joe Rogan probably just well, donates to MMA shit. <laughs> that's what, well, hey, MMA shit for kids or athletic stuff, like if it's significant or meaningful donations, like I'm going to say fuck yeah. But you the know what? Last news story about Joe Rogan uh, was him donating money to the Las Vegas Victims Fund in, in 2017 after the shoot. That's so dumb boilerplate shit. You know, so like, no, no, it, it's not. Oh, that's the only thing though. So no, he has nothing. He's he's got nothing. And, and I'm not gonna I'm not saying that he doesn't give any donations to anybody because his accountant's probably doing the same thing. Hey Joe, we gotta we gotta write some stuff up, pick some charities. Uh, but it's yeah, not it's enough for the media. Cover your ass shit later, yeah. And huh. if he were considering the uh spotlight he's on, on right now, I'm sure he's doing some racist. I'm sure I'm sure he'd be bringing uh, it up if he did it. I'm just saying. I'm sure we're undercrediting both of these gentlemen. Joe yeah, no, Joe Rogan has turned out to be as much as he so. I mean, this is the big controlled opposition thing of like what Joe Rogan has allowed himself to become, and a lot of people don't. I want to put a really fine point on this because Joe Rogan has done a lot of good stuff he's interviewed a lot of good guests myself included right but why did i get scrubbed as part of his selling now i i think the let me first say the libertarians who get censored are the ones who advocate acting and living based on libertarian principles you can say whatever crazy radical pie in the sky philosophy ethics shit that you want but if you're living it like, like we're here and you're advocating other people to do that and the disobedience component, that would get censored. And what Joe Rogan has done is, yeah, he's had other libertarians on since then, but they don't have that. So Joe Rogan has been used by the establishment to make libertarians portrayed to the public as people who just whine about shit and never act on it and never have the courage to act on it and don't get to enjoy being happier as a result. That enough, 
is a severe enough twist of reality that people go, that the powers that be go, <laughs> good job, Joe. Right. Now, the other thing is like with, with COVID, they've got him doing that. Oh, I did the, I did the COVID re regimen with ivermectin and I took horse tranquilizers and what else is CNN lying about? Right. Well, if you, they've got us arguing over what's the best treatment for COVID, they're missing the more fundamental point that I would make in all of this, which is that government has no business whatsoever or right to impose coercive restrictions based on health threats, period. Rogan doesn't advocate actually for challenging that. And that too, I mean, there's so that you go, well, Look, Rogan is the hero of being anti-establishment. Yeah, and he's the one the establishment chose to fill that role. And that, I will say, is, is you know, maybe there's some naivete on his part. You know, again, I, I, I don't want to judge, right? I'm just, I'm just observing and pointing out these dynamics, not just to toot my own horn, but to, to show what's important about what gets censored and, and why even those relatively subtle twists can have such a huge impact. Anyway, we got to get to producers. Now we got our first guest coming on in three minutes. Fucking yeah, yeah, five tonight. I'm having fun. Jim, I'll hit be, us with the I'll producer. I'll be very report. quick. I'll be very quick. T.me forward slash Adam versus the man. That's how you can find information about everything regarding the show. Even the guests that we had tonight, you'll be able to find contact information on them. I'm sure links to their stuff. Free to join, no signups, no easy stuff. T.me forward slash Adam versus the man into any browser, and it'll guide you to the best place to be to follow everything Adam versus the man. If you want to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. That gets you access to the private producers club, also on Telegram. Great time we have in there. And homefrontbattlebuddies.org. That's where you can donate a theft, theft deductible donation, homefrontbattlebuddies.org. I wish uh, Snoop Dogg would. Put a put a million in that uh, account. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should email him. Just, I mean, theft deductible. <laughs> what can happen is they don't answer. <clears throat> Whether you, Snoop knows it or not, he's been on our podcast uh, like every night, every, every oh, day. Man. Yeah, well, totally. Well, a year and a half. How many episodes? <laughs> Definitely a lot. Well, our first guest is already backstage. Bob, I'm pulling out my notes on him, but basically I'm going to be, I'm, my job is um, to be an asshole because he wants to be chair of the Libertarian Party. Uh, I was getting scared backstage. I right? better not fucking bail. No, uh, this is going to be a fun interview. So <clears throat> teasing ahead of the show, yes. Tony is our first guest. Tony Dorazio is going to be on here in just a minute. <clears throat> then we got Bethany Hill from Mississippi, cannabis activist there with, with some, with a mixed victory to discuss. We're going to be talking to yeah, her in an hour. Uh, we got some stuff in the uh, Producers Club tonight show. We're going to go just over two hours. We're going to wrap after after Bethany because I've been working all day. And, I, and I, all I've had to eat is uh, a handful of trail mix and a little bag of chips before the show here. I got my game down, though. I'm still like I'm, – I'm really I'm, – I'm working up pretty well to one vegan meal a day. I feel really good you about it. You were right it. on point for a while. I will. I was for a good while. I was getting there. And then we got sick. We had to recover. It's well, then, then I went to jail and then we got sick. And both of those kind of screwed up my game, my, my, my consistency in that. But I will say what, what I've done is I've added cachava shakes to the Sorry. mix. 
This is not a paid endorsement. This is just random review. And I, I, I it's um, I like so it. far so good. Um, Kachava is like a meal replacement superfood shake. It's a powder that I, my formula is I have, I have uh, two old Gatorade, 32 ounce Gatorade zero bottles. Oh, and I have, not a, BPA I have a growth. Yeah, those are BPA. Are they? they? They better be. Anyway. Um, and then I have a little funnel that I made out of cardboard. I'll probably, uh, if this works for a while, we just started this all up my game. Uh, but we were big enough to scoop two scoops of gachava in with, uh, I put a little more water in than they recommend and then put them in the freezer and shake them. And that's my dessert like every night. And so big salad or veggie stir fries I've been doing lately. And then, but I've, I've been pretty consistent where to me cheating is opening my eating window up like a couple hours early, like having a handful of trail mix when I start cooking, you know, or like late afternoon, early. Evening. That's that's a cheat day for me. I am like really, I I, I don't want to say that I'm I'm, I'm where I want to be with it, but I'm pretty close. Um, but I am I am like compared to average American diet, I am best described as one vegan meal a day. That's not an unfair description. No. It's just that it's it's sometimes I sprinkle snacks a little earlier, and uh, sometimes I draw out that meal. But like last night, sometimes it was perfect. I, to... I yeah right. But I, I I ate for an hour and I stopped. <laughs> you know, like my whole eating window was an hour. So I'm doing almost, and I'm work. This is the hard part. I'm working up to is 23 hours. The crazy thing is that I've I've been gaining weight recently doing this, and I've been gaining muscle. I'm I actually. I'm up to like 215 right now. It's crazy. Good this news. is man, manual labor. Catering bottles are in fact BPA free. So oh. I think I'm going to start adding the vanilla to my morning smoothie game that I need to pick back up. So you've inspired me. In, in case people think about this, is I never have to wash the bottles. I drink it and then so I reload it and, and then put it, it in the freezer. Right? No, no. Well, and then if it gets worn out, if it gets gnarly, yeah, you just trash it. Like your whatever. Cranberry it'd be nice to have. It'd be nice if if this formula works. I will graduate to proper professional bottles. Anyway, we got new stories to get into. We got questions. I know that are coming up. Joey's getting in the comments right now to answer. We're going to come back and do that in in about thirty minutes after talking to Tony. So let's get Tony up on screen stage. I used to have. We did this more often. Hey, there I am. <laughs> it's fun playing with the format every time. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Dorazio is uh, an activist with the Libertarian Party of New York, currently first vice chair. He's been one of these hands around the party who has, has worn lots of hats. Um, began, I mean, I could read from, he's actually, he's, the reason we are interviewing Tony tonight is that he is running for chair of the Libertarian Party. What kind of asshole wants to be chair of the Libertarian? I mean, you have to like hate yourself at some weird level to want this job. And I am grateful that there are people like Tony who are really the drivers of the Libertarian Party who have been doing this for a long time. Um, our mutual friend, Peter Yapel, has sent me some hard questions to ask you. So we're going to get into that. And uh, like I teased before, um, as a, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been a delegate to the Libertarian National Convention for, um, 
the last few cycles. I've been a lifetime member since 2004. Uh, I've run for U.S. Senate and for U.S. President as a Libertarian Party. I'm a pretty good guy to play the asshole in this in this interview and and, and grill you and be like, you you really think you're gonna pull the really you can do that with the, with the LP really. Um, but anyway, Tony, with with all love and respect, before we get to to the hard questions, you want to introduce yourself uh, as as a candidate, please. Oh sure. So I'm I'm Tony Durazio. I'm um. I am a former uh, chair of the uh, Libertarian Party of New York and current first vice chair. Uh, I'm running for uh, national chair. I'm looking to put the libertarian principles in front, um, uh, start supporting candidates in winning elections, and uh, bringing the party back together, which is something that the LNC has not done a terrific job of doing over the past couple of weeks. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're, trying, you're trying to be politically <laughs> correct about it. Yeah, because uh, like, I'm gonna, I'm kidding. gonna. You might as well tell me what you think of Nick Sarwark now. Oh, uh, as 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 the most controversial, relevant, recent chair of the Libertarian Party. Big mystery. A lot of things. But if you you give a, a thoughtful opinion, because there's no way. And and I'm I'm on the side of not liking most of what he's he he did towards the end of his tenure. Uh, but I uh, cannot help but respect, obviously, the time he's put in. But I'm generally on the side of uh, well, I'll let I'll let you about you you, well, you tell me. Everybody seems to want to know what I think of Nick. Um, <laughs> I, I, so I, I think it's a tale of two Nicks. Um, Nick in the first two terms was really great. Nick in the third term. Um, when there was a little bit more opposition, a little bit more turmoil, a little bit more conflict in the party, um, he didn't respond so well, and he went out with a. Um, I think we all saw what he did um, at the end of the first sitting of the 2020 convention when we were um, when we chose our um, presidential and vice presidential candidates. Um, he he kind of went down in a blaze of glory, I suppose. Or I'm thinking, <laughs> he tried to why have. Why don't you, little- for Tony? Sum up your your version of, of events of, of that uh, for people who aren't familiar. Please. So so um, so for those who aren't familiar, the uh, the the twenty twenty convention was uh, split in, in half because we had some hosting issues uh, be, because of the uh, government restrictions, um, and the first half of it was a completely online um, uh, function that was chaired by chaired by um, chaired by Nick and. Um, there are some really fun memes with him just going like this, like he's having an Excedrin headache um, over <laughs> it. And at, at the end of it, uh, or near the end of it, w- with about an hour to spare, um, he he basically um, took a point of personal privilege and went off on a rant and then dropped the mic and and um, said, "I'm not I'm not sharing this anymore." Handed um, the gavel over to uh, Vice Chair Alex Merced. Who not only chaired the, the last hour, which was kind of contentious over trying to figure out exactly how the second sitting was going to work um, without us getting hijacked, but also um, he chaired the second sitting of the convention in person in Orlando um, with with a somewhat hostile um, chair on the floor. Um, who um, I, I was a little disappointed in Nick's uh, behavior um, surrounding the convention. Honestly, um, he he had done really good job growing the party, bringing us, bringing us some exposure in, in his first two terms. And in the third term, he 
undid a lot of what he did with, um, you know, maybe three turns is too long. Maybe he got angry. And um and, and it got okay. Hold on, that, that, then we're gonna get to my my pet subject before we oh, get right. to questions here, since because you're you're kind of leading into it well here, in that I am very familiar with the history of COINTELPRO, the FBI uh, program to uh, sabotage the anti-war and black power movements of the 60s and 70s before they got caught. And if anybody listening, I know all my regular audience has heard me say this before, if you haven't at least gone and read the Wikipedia page for COINTELPRO, go do that. It's counterintelligence program, COINTELPRO. Um, so I, when it comes to, to that, and that, that's because I was active with Iraq Veterans Against the War, and we were mentored by a lot of Vietnam veterans against the war who would experience some of that uh, subterfuge directly, including a uh, guy I consider to be my predecessor, uh, Scott Camille, who was set up uh, for a drug buy and ended up being shot in the back and then tried for the drug charges, being freed on entrapment, having the jury recommend that the agents involved be tried for attempted murder only to see them all promoted. You know, I mean, just that, mm, you know, they, they if, if they would do that to an anti-war veteran activist because he had that credibility, what would they do to the Libertarian Party if it was a threat to the duopoly? And and without, without I, I want to keep this conversation out of the conspiracy theory speculative who's doing it but or, or who's really behind it. Because it's enough to say that if the LP is a threat to the duopoly, there's going to be subterfuge. There are going to be people who want us to fail, who have huge budgets, who fund the old parties, you know, oh, who, sure. who, who will infiltrate and sabotage the party. Um, we, we are we are a small fish playing in playing in a, a pond with two extremely large fish. So and even though what, we are the next biggest fish, we're still. Small. How is this relevant to your experience, and what? can you do as chair to protect us from it? Well, that's a great question. I mean, you, you really brought up a great point is that there are two big fish in this pond. The duopoly is, is, is a, a pair of 500 pound gorillas. And here we are the 20 pound chimpanzee who will, by the way, is the third largest uh, um, gorilla in the room because everything, everything else is just a, uh, you know, I don't know, a, a baby rhesus monkey or one of those cute little tamarind. <laughs> but uh, I'm all about the analogies today. Um, we're not, and we're trying to play in the same pond as those two big 500 pound gorillas and we're getting ignored, but we're trying to play a game on our terms. And from a principal standpoint, I agree but from a professional operational standpoint, I don't. Um, we need to we need to set up our party to be protected better from risk, which we're not. Uh, and and there are all sorts of examples I can point to um, where the party has really exposed itself to risk um, that is killing us. Um, we're not running. We're not supporting campaigns like the big two parties do. We're kind of we're kind of treating ourselves like a grassroots organization and not the professional organization that needs to um, support candidates and win elections. Um, we're not we're not built to grow. We're built to stay this, you know, noisy little um, 
Nat in the corner while the two big parties just run rough chop over us. Um, so by setting us up to grow, setting setting us up to put some of that risk behind us and, and not have that be a threat to us, we become a bigger voice. And this is where I think Nick Sarwark was actually on the right path for a while. Um, he got us a bigger voice. He got us in front of the media. He got us on those Sunday morning talk shows. Um, I'm not saying that I'm going to be the guy sitting on front uh, on a Sunday morning talk show. Who wants to see me talking to, to Cokie Roberts or Nora O'Donnell? On, on what if I told you, hold on, quick sidebar, please hold that thought. I want you to go back to that. But what if I told you I thought you should, that I want a chair to be an active spokesperson for us in the national media? Well, on one hand, I would agree because as as the chair, I am a bit of a figurehead and I would have to be, but I certainly am not somebody who wants to be a celebrity. You know who I want to see be a celebrity? I want to see the Larry Sharps, the Donald Rainwaters. I want to I want to see the John Monses. I want to see the Adam Kokeshes um, of our party who are candidates, who are running. I want them to be the face of our party. That's what the big two do. Do you even do people even know who the Democratic and Republican national chairman are? No. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. you do, um, because usually it's when they screw up or or they're doing something bad, which you know I never do. But <laughs> no, the focus is on the candidates. Okay, those are the people that should be out there um, giving the message. So rather than me taking all the opportunities myself and. And there should be some opportunity for that because we are a little different and I'll probably be getting that in a minute. But we should be supporting our candidates and winning elections by putting, instead of having me on Meet the Press, put Larry Sharp on Meet the Press and, and have him get some exposure for his uh, race for governor that um, he may or may not be running and I may not know about. Um, <laughs> this type of thing. You heard it here first. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is not inside now. Um, we are a little bit of a different party because, I mean, everybody knows where the Democrats and Republicans knows where the Democrats and Republicans stand. Oh, look, there's this party on the left. Oh, look, there's this party on the right. Um, we all know in broad terms what they mean, but some the general public doesn't necessarily know what we are. So in addition to being an organization that is concerned about winning elections, running candidates, we're a little bit of an educational organization too. We have to show people, hey, this is what liberty actually looks like. This is what freedom looks like if you are um, a black person in um, in an inner city who is um, constantly getting harassed by by cops. This is what it looks like if you are somebody who is anti-war. This is what it looks like if you are somebody who is really pissed off that they're paying 50% of their paycheck to taxes. Okay, uh, Tony, well, Tony, I, everything you said sounds great. I love it. I love your spirit. I know where you're coming from. It feels good. But uh, I want to challenge you to get into specifics on this in, in, in two areas. Uh, okay. One in protecting the party and one in promoting the party. So first, let's get into the, the promoting the party. Specifically, what are you going to, I mean, are, are you going to be a full-time chair? Are you, are you able to commit full-time to this? Or how much time? Like, what what can you commit to organizing? What programs, what benchmarks? Give us specifics. That, that, that Those are fair questions. Um, I'm going to be a pretty close to full-time chair. I, I do have a day job um, that... I can't yet afford to quit, um, but um, I hope to get there at some point. I'm getting there. Um, 
but I do intend to spend every I, I have a flexible job that allows me to spend a lot of time um, promoting the party, working on the party while media is paying attention, working on the party while donors are paying attention. Um, I have a bit of flexibility to travel um, to support the party. Um, I'm going to be out in front of leading the party. I'm going to, I'm going to be leading from the front, much like I am in New York. Um, you know, we are mo a mostly volunteer organization. This is a volunteer job that I'm running for, for some crazy reason. Um, <laughs> like I said, you have to hate yourself in some special way. We got we to have faith that you hate yourself in all the right ways to be chair of the LP. Yeah, I, I'm doing it for a right, the, the right reasons. Because, I, I mean, I'm seeing something in, in the National Party, and, and we're going to get there in a minute, um, that that I think I'm uniquely qualified to, um, to, to handle. Um, and that is the fact that, um, there are very few people in this party who don't like me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's not because they don't know me. It's because I work with everybody. That's a bug, not a feature. I, yeah, well, you know, just sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, some days it feels like that. So, I mean, let's just call out the, let's, let's call out the, the, uh, Let's call it the elephant in the room. There is a huge factional war going on right now. Um, there is a group that, um, you know, has a particular name um, that 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 everybody knows. You know, has been using some takeover takeover talk. Oh no, um, I'm not gonna let you do that shit. You better, no, no, Tony, not I, on this I, show. I, no, 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 no. I, Everybody who cares knows what you're talking about already. Okay. Don't be vague so, like so that. You, okay. So so but so we know what we're talking about. We know that there's that factional war. Say the names. You, you talk about okay, fine. So we you have the Mises caucus who has used that, that that language. Well, that's fair. Um, but here's the thing. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you associate with the Mises Caucus, the Radical Caucus, the Prags, the Waffle House Caucus. Actually, I do hope you associate with the Waffle House Caucus because they're delicious. But um, the rest of them, I don't care. I'm going to work with you if you if you if you are pulling against the state and towards liberty. I don't care what caucus you affiliate with. It doesn't matter to me. This is a we're we're not about taking over this tiny little pond. We're talking about taking over the state and and tearing it down that's what we need to be focused on and and that's i think a lot of people see that see the factional warfare as um as a risk to our party and it is a little bit because we don't have that many workers in our party we we don't we don't need them expending their energy against each other we need them expending their their energy against the state um and this is what this is one of those risks that i um that I plan to um, get rid of. I'm going to lead from the front and get everybody on both sides of the boat rowing forward as opposed to just okay, each other. Him, I, raising the profile of the party. I want to hear specific programs, initiatives, things that you are, you, you would be committing to developing and building. Okay. So, so for example, are you familiar with the frontier project? Yes. Okay. So for those who aren't, you know, the frontier project was, a program to coordinate efforts specifically for candidates in a couple of Western states where libertarianism is 
kind of low-hanging fruit. I, I say low-hanging fruit. I mean, we're, we're still the third largest party there, but it, it's far more... Um, Focusing on winnable races in rural frontier states. Correct. Yeah. That's not, I mean, we need to grow liberty everywhere, but that's an easy place to grow liberty. Let's put that, let's put the frontier project not in Wyoming, but in California and New York, the two hardest places to grow liberty where we actually need the damn support. Let's grow this. And by the way, um, why are, why is the national party, um, the National Party. Wait, 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 what 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 practical elements of the Frontier Project is it that you want to see replicated in other places? Specifically, I want to see the coordinated fundraising and coordinated um, volunteer efforts. Where the great thing about the Frontier Project is that there were five or six candidates that were involved there, um, and they got a great pool of volunteers that was aggregated and helping them all. We don't have that in New York. They don't have that in California. We don't have that in most places. That's the way that all of can't, by the way, that's the way that all of our campaigns should be run. If, nobody should be running in an island if they can avoid it. You know, sometimes you do, but especially smaller, smaller campaigns. But when we're talking about big campaigns, like because I, I sit in New York, I live in New York, and 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 I'm an officer in New York. I'll, I'll talk about that as an example. We have five statewide offices up for election this year. Governor, Lieutenant Governor, Comptroller, um, Attorney General, and United States Senate. Chuck Schumer's seat is um, up for re-election. About time. In, in, in the past, we'd have a gubernatorial and lieutenant governor campaign because they're they're on the same they're on the same line. That did a fair bit. You have a comptroller and a and an attorney general who were in name only. They're just a line on the ballot, and you don't. Who who is this guy? Um, they're just filling 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 spots in the ballot right. and not contributing anything, and nobody's talking about them. And everybody votes party and, line on those anyway, right? And then you've got a Senate candidate again, where a lot of people do vote, go party line, especially in New York. Um, and we usually they don't run a significant race in 2018. Uh, the Senate candidate didn't run a significant race in 2016. It was Alex Merced who was running, and he did run a significant race. But he ran a significant race in the, at the same time as a presidential candidate. Why weren't they coordinating efforts? That's two separate ca- that's two separate campaigns there that weren't coordinating their efforts. Whereas if they had worked together, now you've got one volunteer pool who can talk about Gary Johnson and Alex Merced. Okay, so I I, I, I get the gist of your initiative. How are you going to excuse me achieve this as chair? Well, I'll tell you what, um, chair doesn't act in a vacuum. Chair needs to act with the rest of the LNT, but I'm, but I'm going to be the advocate. I'm going to be the one that's going to bring forward the expansion of the Frontier Project. I'm going to be, be the one that's going to bring forward um, funding these things, funding initiatives to build ballot access, in a, to defend ballot access in the states where it's being threatened, um, like Alabama, like North Dakota, like New York. I keep coming back to New York. But these are the, these are the problems that are now you're over on that side. Interesting. Um, you switch sides on me. Connection issue here, probably. <laughs> well, hold on, Tony. Let me let me, let me let, we only, we only have a few minutes left. 
Um, I want to give you a chance, nuts and bolts wise, what are you going to protect the party from sabotage? Kind of broke up there. Um, uh, I think you Sorry, nuts how, and bolts how... wise, what do you do to protect the party from sabotage? What do we do to protect the party from sabotage? Um, well, th th it's very tough because we're small, but the, fir the first thing we do is we grow the membership. We make ourselves bigger, and we make ourselves bigger with actual libertarians. We target people who have joined those two old parties, not because they don't support our principles, but because they think that those are their only two choices, and we target those people who haven't affiliated with a party. And we do that by reaching out to those who have lapsed, reaching out to those who, those who have shown an interest, and putting our principles in front, because that's really what draws people into the party. We've heard so many people say, oh, this weak messaging is just driving people away. I agree. Bold okay, hold on. I'm, I'm going to stop you just because I want to move on to the next questions. I think for, for how you okay. answered that, right. that's a fair answer. I kind of want to hear more like policy specifics or how you would respond to specific divisions, but I don't want to get derailed with that. We're going to take some time That's for good. Peter's questions. And Joey, there were some, some questions from the audience. If, if, if I want to make sure we get those into, or Joey, if you had any. But first, we're going to get to Peter's. Peter's got four questions. So keep your answers quick here, Tony. I will. Does he believe a reset is necessary for the LP to move forward? A, a reset? I don't know if a complete reset is uh, necessary, but we certainly need a, a, a reset. Um, in the, we need a reset at the top. I don't think anybody who is part of the establishment should be part of it. Um, I do think that. Hold on, are... on that, I got to interject. Are are you saying that we need to replace most of the current executive committee, the board of, of the LP? Uh, if you look at who's running for the board of, for, for for those positions, it's not it's not generally people who are on that board. So um, I think it's going to happen naturally anyway. Okay. Um, is there? Any, let me let me ask. This is going to be a tough one. Okay. Who on the board do you want to keep? Oh, that's a tough one. Give me give me give me three names you want to see reelected. That way, if you don't give me four, that no one will feel left out. Three names. <laughs> three three, three board members, Three current board members you like you'd want to keep. Um, I would love to see John Phillips stick around, although he's going to tell me that I can. F right off um, <laughs> by saying that um, because he's a straight shooter. Um, I would love to keep him. Um, this is a tough one. This this is this is really tough. I love TJ Ferreira. Um, he has been um, great, especially bringing technology um, forward that, that is helping the LP at a relatively low cost. Um, a third one. Um, that's tough. There are so, I, I feel bad singling all these people out, but Aaron Adams, someone else who is um, okay. Uh, There's anybody was, else you want to mention that you feel left out? Go ahead. But I I I, I want to give you yeah. Everybody knows you're under the spotlight. No one's gonna uh, forgive you know. No one's gonna hold against. Oh, you didn't. Oh yeah, I would have named you no, too. No, she didn't mention me. No. There, no, there are other didn't. people on the on the board. We we all recognize that. Okay, so the next question from Peter. How does he believe he can unite a divided front? You know, there's a lot of uh, people on each side of the front who feel like they're not being heard. Um, I am somebody who I did it in New York. We had a we had a we had a similar fissure in New York, um, mostly because you had two two sides that were just screaming at each other and nobody was being heard. 
I sat down and actually talked to them and brought them to the table and made them see what what actual unity looked like. And, and now we have people on both sides of that fissure actually pulling pulling against the state. Um, maybe we'll even get some more people elected this year. I hope so. But um, that it, it's just that simple. It's it's not it's not magic. It's not rocket science. It's it's just a willingness to to work with people who might have a slightly different opinion from you. Okay. No. Good answer. Next from Peter. Does he feel that the national organization should intervene or stick their noses into state issues? No. Good answer. Okay. <laughs> Uh, who do you feel is the best candidate for 2024? Oh, I don't think president? he's going to be able to answer this one. <laughs> That's it's a very the ultimate political question for the party, especially you talking know, to me. In, in a perfect world, um, in a perfect world, Spike Cohen. But, okay, but but you know, also that Adam Kokesh guy is probably going to run too. You know, so and he ran a pretty good campaign in 2020. Let, let me let me put it to you this way instead, to, so you can give a, a a real substantive answer. What do you want in the candidate? What you're right, give give us a, a, a thirty second profile of your ideal libertarian presidential candidate for twenty four. Re really simple. I want a candidate who can um, who can clearly articulate um, libertarian principles to a national audience. Uh, I want. Um, a candidate who can speak a whole lot more clearly than I can um, under pressure. Um, I want a candidate who is media savvy because in 2024, you need to be a media savvy candidate. And that's not just traditional media, that's new media. Um, that's what I want in a candidate. I want a candidate who can sell liberty in front of a camera. All right, fair enough. Joey, this has been a lot of fun. This is way more fun than I expected. Tony's always fun to talk to. We've interviewed him before. Uh, yeah. as a candidate. Um, but Joey, are, did we cover all of the questions from the audience one way or another? I, yeah. The, the one about Nick, the little esoteric, no, it wasn't about spending more time with his wife. I don't know if that, if he ever said that, but I, no, we're not getting into that. I'm just saying I, it's a dumb question. Um, but no, and, and, and a boatload of dirty laundry. No, it wasn't dirty laundry. There was real manipulative shit happening. So See, and I wanted to bring that, that up because, because the, the, the a lot of our audience is libertarian. A lot of them aren't. And I don't, I, it, we, the party is getting this terrible look that it's all about dirty laundry. So addressing. Okay. It's no, it wasn't just dirty laundry. Like it was real manipulative shit. <laughs> like it was real shady political shit. I think we've covered that. So yeah. But yeah, thank you for the chance to. The party is not the shit show the internet would like you to believe it is. No, no, we're really not. We're not the shit show. We we are we are the answer for liberty, and um, we just got to be a little bit better selling it. And some people really are selling it well. Um, there's a reason why I'm sitting here talking to you, because so, your, your core. It sounds like your core initiative, and 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 for people who aren't familiar with the party's debate on this, there has been a genuine strategic debate between focusing on candidates in campaigns versus publicity versus ballot access versus membership itself. There are people who have credibly made the case that we just shouldn't have membership at all, that membership shouldn't be something we care about or something that we push, that we should focus on great candidates that get vote totals and win races. 
And what Tony is saying is that as a third party in this day and age, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, that you're, you're one of your major strategic initiatives is saying, let's focus on membership. Let's build yeah. the active, at least paying $25 a year, carrying a card, getting a newsletter, base of the membership of the party is grown and solidified and people have an investment in it, and that gives us a kind of institutional momentum that solves some of the other sort of more direct initiatives. Is that, is that fair summary? Makes a lot of them, certain, certainly makes a lot of them, my other initiatives a whole lot easier. Yeah, I don't know well, if I agree with you, but I know that I'm not running for chair, so I don't have to have a good answer for that. Then uh-huh. I'm glad I don't. Uh, like that we do have a lot of people like Tony who I believe um, are are legitimate and, and, and love the party and love the cause and are doing this for the right reasons. And so, Tony, I wish you the best of luck in your campaign. Uh, win, lose, or draw. Any final thoughts, sir? Um, if, if anybody wants to reach out to me, contact me. Go to uh, Tony4Chair. That's Tony4Chair.com. Um, I would really appreciate if you clicked on a little donate button so I can get to as many of these uh, state conventions as possible and actually talk to as many of you in person as possible. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for your time tonight, sir. Well, thank you, Adam. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. See, another cool thing about this pipe, and now I'm, I really don't want to break it, but I, I can use it as a gavel. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm really new, loving this. The, the pipe from last LNC. week, my birthday pipe. Do you know who I want to see as LNC chair who I think can bring it all together? You have a fantasy candidate for I have LNC a fantasy chair. candidate, and it is Dr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. You know, I, Dr. Feeney, he the, Mr. Feeney, he was the, he was the teacher. And every time the kids were scrapping and there was problems and there were racial <laughs> issues in the hallway, he solved. <laughs> Everything was okay. That's what we when need. Mr. Feeney chair. stepped in. Mr. Feeney for LNC chair. I think that actor actually passed away. So. I still like. I still like Joshua Smith. He uh, is. Yeah. He is. Uh, yeah. Unavoidably tied to the Mises caucus at this point is the Mises candidate, and it's he's he's sort of if he's I don't I don't know if he's running for chair again. I assume he is. I think he is. I think he's already. If he is. We're definitely going to have. It, but well, Reno's not that far off. Go once. Um, state conventions are happening. Um, it is real. I still like Joshua Smith for chair. Um, I'd want to see him and, and Tony debate in person, that would be cool. Um, but yeah, so that was that was, I mean, it's really interesting to see what the LP is poised for in, in 22 and 24. And we are going to be at the California State Convention next weekend. At least for part of it. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to, to touching base with friends and fellow activists there. Um, get in touch. Remind me after the show. We need to ask Emily what the status is for Arizona delegates. Mm. Sorry, that's an awkward footnote to interject in the middle of the show. Joe, write that down. Write that down. Uh, I'll write. I'll, I'm gonna write it down because I can't put on my phone notes. All right. Arizona delegate and, and, and California. So we'll be there. We'll figure that out. My note's fine. But hey, we have some good cannabis news. Uh, so being proven right and getting all sorts of I told you so's about cannabis being 
uh, COVID vitamins that you're less likely to get. Because we've been jo- we've been joking since day one, joking about like, I smoke too much weed. Take your COVID vitamins and you won't get COVID. Smoke your weed on a daily basis. Smoke weed every day and you'll be healthy. Um, and now we're being proven right about that. Like they're he- unavoidable headlines. The science has spoken. Uh, the the cannabis is. Uh, has great antiviral properties that are statistically significant in their effects against COVID. I forget the details of the study. I'm kind of just bullshitting now. But yeah, we've been proven right on that stuff so many times. It's, oh, but it, it, it's, it, it has to do with the anti-inflammatory properties of cannabis. Well, the thing that I knew, well, that's what I and CBD it. healing and tissue regeneration, right? right. But I, w- what I knew it as uh, relevant to least was the, the thinner waistline effect. And while it is true that it can be used to stimulate appetites, I actually use cannabis as kind of appetite suppressant during the day. If I'm getting the munchies and I'm going, I got to fast before I get to my calorie window. I'm going to keep talking the brick wall on this. And the brick wall is you and most of America. Uh, It's, 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 it's. Not all cannabis gives you the munchies. Right. Yes, I said it can be used. Is an appetite suppressant. There are terpenes that absolutely work at that. So it depends on what you're smoking. And terpene awareness is the next phase of of cannabis culture development, acceptance, mainstreaming. And I'm really looking forward to that because while I could study that and get to know it, uh, what I really want is what we're on the verge of already with the market, although still I'm more concerned with like cheap quantity, uh, but of of having a, a choice of strains and knowing what they are yeah. reliably. reliably. Kevin Jessup, have you tried DMT yet, Adam? Oh, I've only got like 200 launches you under know, my belt, motherfucker. Just before you came back in from cutting wood, I was watching a David Wilcock and Graham Hancock special. There were two metaphysicists. Uh, on DMT and and out of body experiences and all that we need to watch. Well, hey, dear, you know, it's 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 on the horizon. That's the next big thing is the psychedelics. Room. So I've got I've got a little um, tale of shrooms in me still. Just a little. I, we, I took a party dose. I didn't. A it. buzz dose, uh, a gram and a half at two uh, thirty ish. Yeah. yeah. And it's seven o'clock here now. So I'm like on the tail of it. You want to get shrooming tonight? Let's do shrooms now on the end. I did a heroic. You missed this. I did a heroic dose of shrooms. I want to hear that story. Saturday night. But let's let's start our next dose. And then it'll be like, hey, that's when the show's over. Should we do this right now? Do that. I'm going to share this cannabis story. And she's going to come back and tell about her, her uh, awesome weekend adventure. But I want to share this cannabis news story from goodnewsnetwork.org. Cannabis could hold in preventing neurodegenerative diseases, including Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. And it, it, I just, it's kind of like that meme you sent, like you should post this, hey, you should do what your body tells you because it feels natural. And you say, okay, I will drink more mead. Because mead is mead is really my favorite alcoholic drink. I like fun? rum, I like rum cocktails. I like I like some good beers and IPAs. Say it too early. I think four right now. Four? Yeah, let's. Well, I'm gonna experiment with. So these are these capsules are 0. 0.7 each. So four is 2.8 grams. So this is still. Um, we're we're learning how to dose in grams, but comparing to an eight, this is uh, 
a bit less than an eight. Yeah, we decided seven. Two point eight instead of three point seven pills make five making it. Five times yeah. five times seven is thirty-five is three point five grams. So we're doing a we're doing four fifths of an eighth, three or two point eight. Or how many are you doing right now? Two. You're just doing two. I'm just doing two. Okay, this body weight. It's a body weight. It's be interesting. Yeah. So like, I, I, here's what's funny is I'm more of a lightweight on mushrooms than I am on LSD or masculine or I, I just recently did DMT a few months ago for the first time, but that's just because it never crossed my path. <laughs> so yeah, just to sum this up, I did. But I, the, the natural psychedelic, and I think it's a processing thing with with my phones to be completely. Honest. Oh, interesting. Well, I did. I want, and we're gonna hear the whole story. We have, we have before Bethany comes on. Um, but what I did earlier, so there's a record here. I did just two of these at two thirty ish, and what I felt from that was uh, a mood elevation. And while I was playing with the chainsaw, um, and the sun was getting low, just the, the sense of vibrancy and and, yeah. and beauty of it. The and colors. It's get it's brighter, right. I. I I've been thinking about this, like uh, really today it was, was for me. Um, I listened to books on tape. It was an audio books, books on tape is what old people call them. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I was listening to audio books and Let's making books and on the phonographs, making art and getting exercise. Uh, yeah. All at the mean, same time. It, that's, that's what and all about. expanding my consciousness because I'm, I'm like, I listen to books like drug use for grownups. Um, today I was listening to how Stella learned to talk, which is about a speech pathologist therapist for like, she teaches severely autistic kids how to talk using devices where they push buttons. Right. She taught her dog, dog to talk the same way. And, and I haven't finished the book yet, but it's, it's fucking fascinating. Um, and so doing a little bit of mushrooms today, I could have done more, but it was just, a, it was, it was. Was it a microdose or not? It was kind of like right on the threshold for me. That depends on you know. But I I enjoyed it. It was and it was um, there was a sense of just the epicness of what I was doing, and I really wasn't when I'm trimming these trees. What I'm doing is like bonsaiing, tree trimming at the scale of like fifteen to thirty foot high trees on the property, right? Um, Maybe some, maybe ten to thirty feet is there's so much order, uh, but it's it's art. It feels like art, and it's engaging with nature. Totally. And so I can do that for like eight or nine hours, and I just it's it's heaven for me. And the mushrooms today was a nice enhancement. I don't want to say it was a trip though. It was in that sense, it was probably in the realm of of microdose or or right on the threshold. But anyway, you did you do them already? I, yeah, I did mine. All right, cheers. Cheers. All right, so. All right. Um, Quick on the story, cannabis can hold the key to preventing neurodegenerative diseases as it contains a chemical that protects brain cells against aging. What's more, the miracle compound, CBN, cannabinol, is non-psychoactive. In other words, cannabinol. In other words, thank you. In other words, it doesn't get people high. Um, so they protect neurons from oxidative stress and cell death. So like, this is pretty cool. Yeah, and we're really just it's scratching the surface. Say, but for now, just you know, do your Alzheimer's vitamins. Do your Alzheimer's and it's Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. I called it all time old timers when I was a kid. My my great grandmother ended up dying of Alzheimer's and the onset 
took years. Like it was slow. And I remember my grandparents and my mother talking about her Alzheimer's. But as a kid, I heard old timers. I told everybody that my great grandmother had old timers. Well, do we? Do we have all of her children? Before we get to Bethany, do we have any other? Bethany is not backstage. I don't know. I don't know. We have fourteen. Oh, good. We have, we have, yeah, I know. You're, I need you to hear, I need you to hear the story. Um, there was uh, my story of my trip while you pull up in the producer's club. There is more good news. Yes, I thought so. That's what it is. Um, I'll get to that. Yeah, if you can find that, go ahead. Uh, tell us the story. So, I went to see, I went to the Lord of the Hammers event, which is a outside ATV off-road vehicle. That sounds like it could be something really gay. It does. It's really really (laughs) weird when you search it. There's not a lot of info online. Uh, So I wasn't expecting much, but I pulled in, literally drove past thousands of RVs down about 10 miles of dirt road into the middle of the Mojave Desert and vendors and stages everywhere. I showed up last minute and I was going to support my friends. Um, who play with a band called the Thrill Killers? Never really played in front of more than a few hundred people. I mean, they're, they're a bar band. They're awesome. I love yeah. them. Hardcore punk rock. I got um, the same with you in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, but they're just they're mm-hmm. just some dudes, right? Uh, but they get asked to open for Pennywise, an iconic punk band. For any of you who have heard that have been around, gosh, since the late seventies, I want to say Pennywise. I might be wrong on that. Um, these guys got to play in front of thousands of people and it was incredible. So I know they were naturally high from that, but right after the show, uh, my friend and I did these chocolate bars. So the chocolate bar was, was supposed to be an eight and we split it, which is perfect. But then about 20 minutes later, another three pieces of chocolate, another quarter of chocolate bar crossed my face. I'm like, ah, fuck it. 15 minutes later, I could not, not lay down. And I say it that way because I could stand up. It just didn't feel good, right? I had, I had to go lay down, and I experienced a, a pretty, a pretty serious visual trip from my van, cuddling with Dutch, hearing the music right outside the van was parked right backstage, uh, and it was a pretty incredible spiritual experience. And unlike alcohol, I woke up at six o'clock in the morning and watched mm. the sunrise over the desert, and drove my happy ass away, feeling a million percent and that's my psychedelic story for the weekend i might have been on a microdose well i got my tattoo fixed by the way yes finished up uh i strongly recommend getting tattoos while microdosing psilocybin it was a pretty incredible experience almost because i couldn't i couldn't feel the needles and a lot of people like that they don't want to experience the pain right but i Call me a weirdo. Mm-hmm. It's I like it like acupuncture. So while it was a weird and different sensation, it wasn't the same. And and I don't know that I would jump to it because I kind of felt like I got robbed of my acupuncture experience. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a uh, few more related good news stories. Um, this is from the producers club. Um, well, first, cannabis, there's a bad one. Federal power utility threatens to shut off the lights on marijuana businesses yeah, after Mississippi legalizes do. medical cannabis. Again, Joey shared this in the Producers Club. This is from marijuanamoment.net. Explain the story, please, dear. I, you know, I want, I want Bethany to go into further detail 
on this with us. If we okay. could, if we could hold we'll come it. back to this then. But apparently there is a federal organization that was founded back about Reagan years that deals with uh it was a federal power event. company anyway. There's some it? more fuckery and yeah, the good news in the producers club that I wanted you to share was yeah. the uh where is it? Scientists create cell based psychedelic toad venom. Yes, scientists create cell-based psychedelic toad venom, a potential 5-MeO-DMT biofactory from lucid.news. Yeah, explain this. Like or I said, the, the, the psychedelic revolution's on the horizon. Um, so It's here, yeah. It's here. Right now, we've got scientists legitimately working on this in laboratories trying to figure out the science behind well, it. Well, no, you're right to say it's on the horizon. Excuse me, that, that it's it's peeking over. It's it's um we're going from dark to um to to just peeking over the horizon maybe. It's just the sun it's just, just peeking through. But yeah what this is just gonna well, why are you excited about five in D and D? Because uh, it's natural DMT, like not from a plant, but from an animal. So we supposedly produce DMT in our pineal gland, which right. science is still figuring out. I just learned from the special that I was watching before the show. I was telling you about um, that. That's still and that up until a few years ago was just a theory. They've actually pinpointed that yes, human beings create DMT in their pineal gland, and I have to imagine that it's a more pure and potent version. I mean, if it's coming from a living being instead of a plant. I don't think of potency. I, I mean, if it's 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 organically produced, but it could be synthetically produced as a replica of that, then it would be just the same. I think I think that's I I don't think that's the the case with psilocybin because there are in mushrooms related compounds that affect how it affects you very subtly. But it could be that um, somehow we're able to synthesize psilocybin. The reason that it, things like that haven't been explored, and you know this, dear, is that they're they because they are naturally occurring and they already exist. They can't be patented. No. And so there's there's uh, they, they are there's actually the fought by big pharma. There's the ethical arguments too, and the Lucid article says. Says the demand for toad venom over synthetic versions of 5-MeO-DMT is driven in some cases by a spiritual belief that natural venom possesses a pure essence mm. compared to lab made, and therefore provides a richer experience. That might be true for now. While there's no empir empirical data to prove that that's true, the jury's still out over whether an entourage effect encompassing all the compounds in yeah. toad venom make it a superior option. Still, collection of toad venom it is an unseemingly practice. In a dirty little secret of the five meo. -DMT. How do you do this? How do you do five meo DMT, and what's the experience like? You know, I don't know. Isn't it somewhere between DMT and ayahuasca? Anyway, um, the thing is, there are different ways that you can ingest this, and whether it's better synthetic or organic, um, I'm not going to say one way or another. Well, I don't, you don't know. Have there's to something. Salt a toad. To, yeah, that's nice. To make to make the to, argument to for being awesome. DMT from. Let's not so hook them up like we do with dairy cattle and yeah heaven forbid um so i i guess we also gotta do an an update on uh on ed yeah. during the show and it's there's 
good news on the horizon. I mean, we can say well, there are a few things we can say. Um, please go and, and check out the audio file in the Adam vs. the Man channel on Telegram recorded from Ed in jail in federal prison in Florence, uh, Arizona, just a little, almost a week ago. Um, he was getting, he, he tested positive for COVID. He was in COVID isolation. He's, he's just getting out of it now. He was having lung irritation from breathing in the lint in the blankets. And uh, Joey and I were just like, yeah, man, we fucking bitch. He's 63. He's been an activist. He was one of the ones who's just never been to jail. This is his first time. It's a big deal. And it's, uh, we, we, please be subscribed to the Anniversary of the Man Telegram channel because, uh, Right now, he's he's got money for commissary. He's got money for his phone. Um, but uh, and, and here's the good news. He's been assigned a public defender who's actually a private attorney. This is something that happens in D.C. I, I forget how it works, but it was somehow relevant to my cases there uh, at one point as well. And uh, where private attorneys volunteer to take a certain amount of, of government paid cases. It's, it's a very interesting relationship. I don't want to get into. Um, but uh, Ed is very confident, at least for the time being, with his public defender, and he has taken another crack at uh, getting him, him released pre-trial. So that is in the works. Um, I have to get in touch with him myself to offer character testimony, I think, something you know, evidence of Ed's lifestyle being peaceful and whatnot. Um, so that's good. Um, but I, I hope that everybody is standing by there in case... Uh, there is a time that we need to do a call flood or um, pretty soon he's going to start wanting just mail from people. Um, he's refrained from asking for that because we saw Stuart Rhodes last, last week. Also, I think after the show uh, late last week, Stuart Rhodes was ordered to be transferred to Washington, D.C. Uh, that's Stuart Rhodes, head of Oath Keepers. Um, so we were generally expecting at that point that the same would be true for Ed. His attorney, however, is optimistic and is going to be putting forth the effort that we were hoping for with a private attorney for him to uh, be released pre-trial. Now, the answer to whether that's going to happen or not is probably predetermined for bigger political reasons than anything obvious with the case. But I'm glad that it's happening. Um, and I think that's uh, I'm afraid that's all we have really for an update right now for that situation. It's all good stuff, though, except, uh, well, yeah, he's better than he was before. Really, recently, it's been all good stuff. Um, the uh, difference between DMT and 5-MeO-DMT. Oh, please. Um, they share the same name, some parallels in their brief and very intensive effects. The two are worlds apart, even in their chemical structures. 5-MeO-DMT is about as different from DMT as psilocybin is. Oh, uh, it All goes right. on. It says 5-DMT. Uh, it's different on a micro level with a few extra atoms. Also appears in plant and animals, including venom. We'll just have to try some then. 5-MeO is traditionally used by shamans. If you, so that's you, what the shamans use. Is the good stuff. I, I don't know. What did we have? No, you've never done ayahuasca. I've never done ayahuasca. No. no. Well, I don't even know if the DMT I did was 5-MeO. Okay. Well, we have one other news story that's related to Ed's story, um, if you don't mind, before we get to Bethany. We've got a couple other things I want to touch on. Uh, but this is from hiphopdx.com, also shared in the Producers Club. 
Rapper who used capital insurrection for album cover art recommended for one of the longer sentences. Oh, shit, really? Uh, rapper Antion Bugsy the Don Broadnax sat boldly in front of the U.S. Capitol building as the historic insurrection unfolded around him. Last January 6th, seizing the opportunity, the Virginia native took a photo he later used as the cover art for one of his albums. But now that's going to cost him. According to WSA 9, the Justice Department wants Broadnax to serve 21 months behind bars for participating in the melee. That's a good term for it. It's unobjectionable. It was a melee. Was it an insurrection? Was it a riot? Was it a protest? Gone bad? Out of control? No, it, it was a melee. Yes, yes, definitely a melee. <laughs> Uh, and, and if you remember that a government agent shot a civilian in the middle of that melee, melee somehow falls short. As reporter Jordan Fisher explained in a tweet, the GO, DOJ filed its sentencing memo for, I'm not going to say his whole name again, Broadnax pleaded guilty in October four to four counts with a plea agreement in place. Four counts? Yeah, it says courts. It's a typo. DOJ wants 21 months because uh, he was on probation. He had a DOJ asking for 20 months. Says the sentence is warranted by his extensive criminal history. He was on probation for a felony conviction for when he entered um, the Capitol. Let's see. Yeah, probably. Probably no. for weed. No, no, no. Let's see. Don't, let's, um, possession of a firearm after having been convicted of a felony. Right. They probably he got, probably he got caught with me. And, and got, misdemeanor, unlawful possession of paraphernalia. <laughs> yeah. Um, whatever the original felony was, I don't really care. It's kind of an interesting quirk in the story for going into the Capitol. But this is, because this is, um, obviously I want to compare this to Ed's case. So this guy went into the Capitol and has a criminal record. Ed has zero criminal record, did not go into the Capitol. What makes Ed's case unique, though, is was he bringing firearms for violence for Oath Keepers, right? And obviously, I say no. Can the government convince a jury? I say extremely unlikely, but you never know what the fuck they're capable of fabricating or bullshitting. But even if he gets convicted of that, hard to compare him to the guy with a criminal record getting 21 months. So I'm, I'm, it makes me relieved to think that while Ed's less than a year looking at 20 years hypothetically max and they're not going to throw more shit at him i don't think so it's just conspiracy is really all they have i mean they could add conspiracy to this conspiracy to that but I, I i don't think that really works for them for a number of reasons i'm i'm kind of hopeful and confident in thinking that like ed's not facing more than three years absolute tops if he goes to trial and loses yeah you know um and more likely, by the time he gets there, will only be a year. No, right. Year, but, I mean, well, he's more. What What's more likely is he'll get time, sir. I think he's going to get a shitty time. plea he's deal. Gonna get, he's gonna it's time he's served. Um, well, I don't want to say to time served plus some bullshit like house arrest and you can't be with other felons, and it's going to be a long probation, like three five years. Look, and he I, might have to negotiate. I, would, I don't want to say more. I don't want to speculate more. I, don't I want either, to kind of cut it, that. Program. House arrest like triggers me. Like that is that is look probation in and of itself is one of the biggest traps in the world. Like for it's terrible. You 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 can be taken in and and not even know you're doing anything wrong. That whole being with a, a known felon. You know I've seen it on like episodes of Cops before where they they arrest the guy. For having 
a crack pipe on him and, you know, otherwise doing nothing wrong. And the girl he's with has nothing on her, but happens to be on probation. So they get to assault and harass her too. And <laughs> that's the trap that they put you in. But house arrest, I mean, that would be hell for me. And I, I, well, not me. If I can't leave Gardenia for a year, I think I could probably live with it. Uh, but for the average person, you, you live inside these four little itty bitty walls. And at best, you have your small backyard. Uh, and people don't visit one another like they used to, right? It, it's, uh, I would urge Ed and anybody else in that situation to just say no to house arrest. Sorry, my own person. Not accept it even? Just be like, fuck you, I'm going to trial. Fuck you, I'm going to trial. If I got to hang out in summer. Yeah, I, I saw, men, yeah, I saw N.A. Poe. kind of cozy. You get, you get gym, you get a, a freaking basketball court. You get the, not like. I got, well, I got to remind people the comparison of how me and N.A. Poe handled that cannabis charge in Philly where he took the plea deal and he had like a year of pissing in a cup and shitty bullshit probation. Quasi and house arrest, very on probation yeah. either. That looks and bad. It was, it was, it was, I think it was three years and he only did like a year and a half or two of it, whatever, but he had to keep going back to court. It was really, really shitty for him. Whereas I only, I only had to hold my breath for one more day. And then they said, okay, we're dropping all the charges against you. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, uh, this that was the one they they try they ordered me the judge ordered me released from jail, and the cop releasing me was part of the arresting department. He was on the scene when I got arrested, and he was giving me my property back. It was it was the feds because it was park police, um, but it was the green suits, not the blue suits. But he tried to um, you know the 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 smoky bear guys, not the <laughs> not the horse mounted or you know capital police assholes. Uh, but no, he he, he tried to get me to sign these two tickets like assembly without a permit and like possession. And I said, yeah, go fuck yourself. And inside of it, it just took him. Uh, that was when they gave me the microphone back. I, that's um, what I learned. I had the choice of doing, uh, I think it was one year, which probably would have ended up being like closer to six months for me. Um, or 90 days, four weekends, hundred community service hours and three years on probation. Uh, I took probation and the shorter sentence and I lived three years worth of feeling legitimately paranoid. I mean, always looking over my shoulder, like cops scared me, even though I wasn't doing anything wrong. <laughs> they can fuck with you. If, if, if they get your ID or they identify you, they just visually identify you. Say if you live in a small town and they know you're on probation, they literally have that. You have no rights. You have no more rights on probation. When a cop walks up to you, if they tell you to jump, you have to say how high that's how it is. And it's, it's terrible. Probation's a trap. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Sleep on the uncomfortable bed. Eat the shitty food. You'll get over it. We all went to summer camp, right? Same same thing, right? Would you agree? Everybody. Would you agree? Summer camp with uh, some angry kids. Did you go to summer camp? As a kid. We went to dude ranches. We were spoiled. My dad's company took us to two branches. So we did we did like horse stuff. So not summer. Not really. Okay. Well, no, for, it, wasn't, it wasn't real. I've done I did like a couple week long things that were like summer. For camp. those of us who went to summer camp, they had to wake up with the alarm and everybody had to eat their shitty food on their shitty plate. I did boot camp. Walk. Was like, it's, it was... Yes, boot camp. <laughs> Is that what you get it? <laughs> so it, it's weird. No, because if the average person's conditioned to be so terrified of jail and and 
there's a legitimate reason to be terrified. People die in there, right? They get in fights. The cops kill you. They, they put you on life sentences. Uh, but if you take away one of those scary things, and I think those dangers in their own way, the amount of dangers that exist in jail, there's more dangers you come into contact with in your daily life outside of jail. For, for, sure. Absolutely. You don't have to pay your bills in there. You don't have to cook your food. You don't have to do your laundry. You're, you're, you're basically taken care of. You don't get to go where you want to go. It's an absolutely shitty experience, but it is not as terrifying as the media and TV make it out to be. And if the state's asking for three years of your life versus one year of your life, you know, inside, give them a year inside. Don't give them three years of your life. It's All right. Would you like to introduce Bethany, dear? Is she backstage? Um, Bethany is backstage. Bethany. I've been I've been pulling up the COVID block. We're going to end the show. We have to. When, when are we gonna stop talking about COVID? When it stops being a thing? No, it's. I gotta do. I gotta do a, a, a summary block of like this. If if only for Adam versus the man to serve as an historical document of the times. But no, it's gonna be quick. We're gonna talk to Bethany. That's gonna be fun. And we're, then we're gonna end. We're gonna end on a happy note after the COVID block. Yay, happy note. Well, Bethany is backstage. She is a cannabis refugee patient and patient advocate, as well as co-founder and former board member of We Are the 74. She is currently launching the Arena Organization, a cannabis advocacy and public policy organization. She also runs the Mississippi Cannabis News Network on YouTube, which is relaunching last month. And, and you're also in the uh, Women's Cannabis Chamber of Con you're You're all over the place, women. Damn. Is there anything you everywhere? Broken <laughs> stoners, so lazy. I can say there was a lazy and unmotivated as as So, um, yeah, there is a, the whole stereotype that stoners are lazy, and that is the biggest stereotype that I love to break. Indeed, it's a good one to break for sure. So, what's going on in Mississippi? You guys just launched legalization and i use those finger quotes yeah. for it, so please don't take it personally yes we did uh, let's and actually in our bill there's not a long timeline we expect full dispensaries in operation by the end of september so i gotta i gotta i gotta back you both up for the sake of the audience whoever wants to handle this but for people who are just coming into this for the first time we're going back to at least mississippi's 74 referendum where seventy four percent of the population voted for what, and then what happened, and how that get us to the so three we're in today. Yeah, so we got to this point because twin in twenty twenty in our election we had ballot initiative sixty five that we collected signatures for, and it made it to the ballot. And then when it made it to the ballot, it actually passed with an overwhelming seventy four percent of the vote. It was incredible. And actually, where we had two medical cannabis programs available, sixty five and sixty five alternative. So a medical cannabis program in Mississippi had over a million votes where the Mississippians were saying, we want cannabis in this state. And then six months later, um, the Supreme Court actually overturned it, saying we collected the signatures um, out of the wrong district amount. Uh -huh. So we fought for eight and a half months. Uh, and actually, we not only did we fight, we actually worked with the legislators hand in hand. They educated us. We educated them on cannabis and we actually did our best to create a bill that would not only pass and get a lot of support from both uh, the public and the legislative body as a whole, 
uh, we worked with them, educated them on cannabis and why it was important to have things like smokables. And there's a lot of things that we couldn't get to pass with this bill, like home grow that we're going to continue to fight for. And that's where the new organization comes into play. The 74 was based on that vote. The arena organization will focus on full cannabis advocacy and public policy. So the voice of the people will continue to resonate with the legislators. Um, and we're going to continue to mediate that bridge. Yeah, I, I got a sidebar from that narrative, if, if you don't mind, before we get into the yeah, where we are now with this. But when you're talking to those uh, legislators, where'd, where'd Joey go? Did you just take yourself off screen so you could hit the bond? I could pick my teeth. Oh, so you could pick your teeth. <laughs> um, here, have a floss pick. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Wait. No, we lost Joey. Back here, Chuck. Uh, yeah, right. Joey, where are you? <laughs> those legislators that you were educating them, I don't really believe that you were educating them about cannabis. I believe that you were educating them that there were enough other people who knew this that represented enough of a political threat that they had to listen to you because their attachment to their position is not based on truth or reason or lack of knowledge. But it, it, what you're doing is bringing so, political threat and saying there's enough of us that we're organized. We're a political force. Is that, is that fair? Or tell us, if not, tell us what, what do you think the, the I actually, I, I feel like it's not because a lot of the education that I provide is personal experience. I'm a cannabis refugee. These people can't go move off and spend a decade living in another state. They didn't live in two states that were medical, two states that went recreational. They don't have personal experience. A lot more to education is what we have survived as a patient. Um, it's not just what you read on the science of the ECS, which we can talk about. Right, so it's education. But, so it's educating them is on the impact of the voters and how much this touches people. Yes, exactly. We tell patient stories. Um, a lot of them, I've got their respect just for the fact that I was offered disability in my early twenties and I've never taken it. I've always tried to continue to fight and work and do all these good things. Um, when I was just basically told in this state, you're a check and you're a body in a bed to live off pharmaceuticals. I said no. That's a perspective you can't just go Google. Yeah, yeah, no, and I guess that, that is that is education, but it's not like oh, cannabis is safe. Oh, cannabis helps with this. It's like no, nah, this is the implication you, of it. You, that's, I'm that's, sure you that's had really people. Powerful. You had people in there with you with with the science facts. I would assume, right? but that's oh, not what yeah. it's right. I don't think that's what resonates. And, and oh, we did. But, but, and, and you're but so I don't give them the excuse when they can Google that stuff. You know what I mean? You can Google it while you're on the on the toilet. I'm not going to give you an excuse to not look up the basic uh, scientific studies that prove that cannabis is, is relevant. I'm going to tell you that when I was on non-prescriptions, I was almost dead and that I can't tolerate pharmaceuticals at all. And I chose a different path so that I could stay working, stay continuing, um, improving my um, quality of life. If I would have listened to the doctors in this state, I would be dead by now. So Joey had some interesting criticisms of the the victory in the bill, and and this is something we've heard before. Joey, you want to realize that? And I have criticized every bill since. Of since course, there's not a perfect bill ever in existence. 
and I participated in in getting past and and I got my start in cannabis activism. You did. I had a personal story though, and plenty of time on my hands. And the representatives, yeah, they really, when when you sit down with them in their offices and essentially have coffee with them and and tell them what's going on, a lot of them are just they're they're taken back. Some of them are disgusted by that they don't know these things. They're at work doing government bullshit zombie slave shit every day, right? They can't they, they can't pay attention. Uh, whose fault is that? Well, they, they've theirs, been selected but... into those positions because they generally, genuinely believe them. And those people are the best sales front people for the evil system. And so some of their positions are actually easy to win them out of. The problem is then they don't get reelected because then they don't get that all the, all the sponsorship money. If, if they start they doing, get... they start doing right? the right thing for the people. That's not how this system works. But I've, I've got criticisms with every bill. I don't believe there's a true legalization bill anywhere in this country that exists. I'm sorry, not not as far as this industry is discriminated against versus all others in America. But uh, your bill, wow, is looking four <laughs> four grams a day or four grams a day limit doesn't even total. And they, I'm sure they do this on a 30 day rolling scale of some sort. And that doesn't even come out to an even two ounces. Like, what is it? Like 2.1 or something. It's uh, three ounces a month is the limit. Three ounces. And, and, and you can't get, um, so for instance, with me in Maryland. Which is funny because it's just low enough to be a pain in the ass. I know, yeah. For yeah. a heavy smoker. For me, like, it would be, a, okay, so like, I just like to buy bulk. You can't bulk. afford that anyway. You know, I mean, it drives up the, the prices. It, creates, it, it creates more market pressure. Or the retail exchange, it creates a massive inefficiency. It makes it less, and it, it and poor people are less able to afford subsidizing government inefficiencies imposed on the market. So it's going to limit access that way. And it sounds like a dumb thing to bitch about, but it's like really, it's not really. This is how you're going to limit it by just because every there's there's a huge silver lining out of this. I got to point out a huge silver lining though, dear, is that every Mississippi cannabis customer who starts going to dispensaries is going to be like, oh yeah, it is government that makes everything a pain in the ass. Yeah, it, it's going to, it, it will be revealed, but it, it's, I'm glad when the medical bill passed because then a good portion of people aren't going to be arrested for weeks anymore. And that just- Well, we hope, or they shift but, the but, right? That's but we're not done. We are going to try to push for five ounces without question, because I'll be honest with you, just because I could get three ounces approved now doesn't mean that's enough medicine for me. I need a quarter of flour a day at minimum. Now, I live seven years in legal states. I know that's what I need. I've tried multitudes of products. Inhalations are my best bet and I can't vape. So I need organic natural flour and about a quarter of that a day. So we will be in, in, obviously we're going to stay very um, active from now on as a Mississippi voter and a voting advocacy group. So that's where our power comes in is the Mississippi complacent voter has been long time running and that time is done. We're going to educate people on how to vote properly and what they're voting for and get them registered. Um, we're just not done. There were so many things to do. We have a job fair coming up so we can help this industry grow. Um, just all these things. And I know this program isn't perfect, but it's a perfect skeleton to start with. And we will continue to educate them so that we can get better 
better laws, better amendments. Um, for instance, I should have never been able to have a child. They try to do a hysterectomy in my early 20s. Endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, they literally affect me daily. Those items are not included on the list of conditions. So that's something else I want to put on there. So we just worked as hard as we could to get something that we could work with. And then now we're going to push for all the changes that need to happen to make it a better program in the next year. It's, I, I'm, I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are still working on it because. Oh yeah, we won't stop. Many. What what else is there? Uh, there's no homegrown. Oh, counties are allowed to vote and opt out of the medical program. That's horseshit. Yeah, I mean, for I, I hate that. So now you're just going to make people drive across county lines patients, like yeah. every other day. I'm uh, okay with counties opting out for for rec dispensaries, but if you're going to label it medical, uh, then get all the customers' patients. You better no. have free access. You you better, like, have if the access, access is legitimate, exactly. like, what are you doing limiting number. that? If the doctor said, take this much, fuck you for saying you can only have. Exactly. Just No, and we are already in the process of working. That was the first thing that we did literally the week that it passed before it went to Tate because we, we felt like Tate was going to do the right thing. Um, how could you not win 74% of your state? How could you not sign this bill that so many people came together and worked for across the legislative bodies, cannabis organizations, independent activists, you name it. You you can't do that. So when you had signed it at the last minute, uh, if he ever wants to have a life in politics, how could he not? Um, so once this thing went into place, we immediately started working, trying to figure out which counties are going to try to opt out. Where do we need to go? I'm going down for uh, Magnolia Grows. I'm actually going to be at their board of supervisors meeting on uh, the 24th to help them. I'm going to Lincoln County to help with their board of supervisors. So anybody that is afraid that their county is going to try to opt out, we're going right into those areas in the next couple of weeks. We are going to help activists. We've helped on a large scale. Now we're going to help on countywide scale. So we're already in contact with board of supervisors talking about why this is important, how many in their precinct actually voted for this and educating them on, you know, pretty much if you ever want a life in politics, it's probably not best to vote against cannabis when 80% of your county voted for it. So it sounds like this, this big win, although much smaller than we were hoping for is enough to create the momentum that we can slog through the next few rounds to get, Mississippi fair access to get to recreational to get past quantity restrictions at least in the next election cycle or two and I'm I'm, I'm very encouraged to see that Mississippi has you as the custodian of that momentum I would hope that you can build a core team because I know you've had turmoil but if, if, if Mississippi had three or four people like you that, and, and I know you have a team of various degrees of commitment and involvement, uh, but if you had three or four people like you who are really committed to that, I would feel absolutely confident in saying, yeah, two years, you're going to have awesome access. There's no way in four years you don't have full rec in Mississippi. Uh, that's that's pretty cool to be able to. And that's our plan. Even relatively conservatively, something like that. Yeah. Well, 74% um, of, the, of, of the population voted on a bill that was much better than this. So I think convincing them to sign whatever to catch up to that within the yeah. counties, yeah, I, I'm sure that, that that's yeah. going to be a lot easier to do. Yeah, there aren't going to be that many counties that are going to get away with yeah. denying. It's just going to be, there's going to be a few, there's going to be a handful of, they're going to be a handful of super conservative counties that represent the 26%, right, as majorities there. 
where they're going to be able to stop this, and that's unfortunate. But I want to I want to shift gears for a second to. Uh, the, but to we can um, we can collect signatures if the county opts out. The people can actually vote to put it back in, and once you're in, you're in. So we're going to help once the county does opt out. We're actually going to help people collect signatures in their area. We're going to work with each independent area to make sure that they get the um, um, everything of the medicine and stuff that they need that they voted for. Uh, TVA is causing problems in North Mississippi. I've already reached out trying to get a meeting with them. Um, and there's just a lot of different variables that affect different parts. I want to get away from the, the sort of immediate political side of this and get to enforcement policy. Because this is so important, and Joey reminded me of this, that, and I, I think it's come down in the last year, but the first few years of cannabis legalization and medical programs throughout the United States, the first decade, really, cannabis arrests didn't go down meaningfully in, the, in terms of the national total of arrests for cannabis. They just shifted from users to traffickers, right, and and. Uh, they they busted more people for trafficking and crossing borders and paraphernalia and other stupid shit. So all of the, all of they, this stuff. They were waiting in dispensary parking lots. Yeah, I mean, like, I I the actually experienced so, that. It, it's, can Mississippi be better than the rest of the country that way and lessen the viciousness of enforcement simultaneously? Bethany. Can you hear me? Yeah, now again. Yeah. <laughs> Do we lose you for a second? Go ahead, Bethany. Uh, I think she's freezing. Oh, can you hear me free- now? Yes. I can hear you. Hear you. I think it's your signal. Sorry. Babel is crumbling. We're <laughs> ready for it. Don't worry. Sorry, you guys. My service is dropping. It's just I live out in the country. Y'all know how Mississippi is. Oh, oh we lost her completely. Uh, if she calls back but that was an important question right yeah do you have a take on that one uh, my answer is no i have no faith in mississippi police in mississippi <laughs> police and just the general culture of the south none of the people who live in the south they're always been you know from my experience real you know bad. the culture of authority the culture of authority in the south is treacherous and terrible and hasn't quite gotten out of 1930 yet okay so that's my take, but I don't live there. So I, did. I, I, I spent a comfortable stint in central and northern Virginia for five years. Yeah, you did. Terrible. Okay, so, so Bethany, the question is, uh, any positive shifts in enforcement in Mississippi? Going Actually, um, we at the Capitol, I basically spent every week in January down at the Capitol. And the third or fourth week, we actually had um, a day where the sheriffs from the area, all the over the state came into the area and had different meetings. And we talked to so many of them at the Capitol. We offered our services to come in and explain the benefits of cannabis, how to help them um, recognize when person is a legit patient, um, try to explain to them really what it means to be a cannabis patient. So we've offered our services to come in, which I've actually done in the last couple of years. I live in a very tiny town, but we offered um, to come in and educate them on why cannabis is important, how it actually helps like ECS science and things like that. But then honestly, a lot of these cops, they're dealing with so many problems with meth in our area and things like that, that they realize cannabis is really just helping people. So a lot of the independent um, officers themselves feel personally 
that cannabis is important and that we need it. So they're actually looking forward to this. That's the image I'm getting from people is they're actually looking forward to this. That has become a huge problem in Mississippi. That kind of makes sense that there's for any kind of well-intentioned cops on the ground. Oh, I don't have to worry about pot anymore. I think. Yeah. And a lot of cops you talk to are like, I, I, I don't agree with it, but it's like, I have to do it. It's a law. Like, and that, that was, I feel like kind of a dick or I feel silly. And, but then you have right. malintent cops. I feel like we're the backwards or anything else just to harass yeah. people. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I mean, I live in a little town. I'm an open cannabis activist in an illegal state like Mississippi. Um, and I have been for three years. I opened a CBD and hemp store in this tiny town. So, uh, of course, obviously, I'm a huge cannabis activist and they don't harass me. They haven't been rude to me. They've the when I've met them, they have been so open to information and my story and how cannabis saved my life. And they're wonderful. But the thing is, a lot of them have had family members who they themselves would say that they would have benefited from cannabis in the last years of cancer and things like that. So this is starting to affect people on a whole different level because they're mourning people that they lost that cannabis would have helped make that a lot easier. That's it. Makes everything that, easier. That's the education that's needed, the uh, the personal testimony. As you can tell people. Exactly. Need- and PTSD. A lot of these guys have been in the military. They suffer with PTSD as well. So when they find out that it could actually help them or even just topicals with old injuries and things like that, they don't have to smoke it. Um, when they find out there's all these different options that can help them or their family members, most of them are actually really excited to learn more. Well, the police will use medical cannabis. Is that correct? That's that's how it is in most states. It's correct. But topicals typically don't enter the system enough that it would show up on a drug test. Typically, if you use like a balm or something like that for pain. So most of them like to stick with topicals. Sure. That would make sense. And well, until we can actually get them where they can use it legally with no problem. Federal thing. That's not that's that's got to stop yeah. at the federal level first because of the funding, unfortunately. It's that the firearm ownership, I know that's going to and has probably been making a lot of Mississippians pretty fucking upset when they discovered that you can't own a firearm as a medical patient, and which is never in bills. It's just spoken, yeah. and that's how it is. Unless you live in a state like, for instance, in the state of Virginia, I can sell you a firearm as long as I give you a written receipt, and that written receipt can be on the back of a business card, and there needs to be no <laughs> exactly. Nothing. So if you live in a state like that where you don't have to fill out the questionnaire, the background check, then you're fine. But if you live in a background check state, you can't own a firearm. And, or if you want to own a firearm, you have to lock the federal document. So it's it's really a catch-22. Which one do you want to go to jail for, right? Um, exactly. It is. And honestly, the federal background check is a huge problem because I'm, I'm an avid shooter. I love to go shoot guns. It's really important to me. And um, that's something that we want to try to change. So we're not just focusing on Mississippi and fixing the rest of this bill. We're already simultaneously moving into other states that don't have programs to help their activists and their legislators begin to work together. And we're working on a national scale to really legalize federally in the next two years. That's awesome. It could be that soon. It could be that soon. It's a very exciting possibility. Oh, yeah. See it yet. We have about 20 activists in the UK following what we're doing here now already in the UK and they want us to help them. So there's a lot of cannabis activists coming together and seeing what Mississippi has done and really ready to change this. I mean, if you want to be a complacent voter, then that's fine, but you can't really 
you know, gripe about what's going down with corrupt politicians. You ready to vote them out? You ready to get active in your government? We'll to- we'll show you how. And that may need to do. Well, you know, so in, in a lot of states, we're going to have to move to mushrooms for the leverage for that. I think mine is starting to kick in just a little bit. I feel it's calling for us to work on a, a mushroom legislation bill. Oh, absolutely. Psilocybin is my next thing, girl. You know, I'm always thinking three, four years ahead. The COC, actually, the Chamber of Commerce does a lot with psilocybin legalization. So I'm really excited about that front. And um, my course in effective activism will be coming out under the COC this year. So we'll be helping a lot of activists learn how to get legalization in their state and going into other states who have a subpar program and trying to help them as well. All while we try to fix Mississippi's program and make it the best. That's great. The thing about mushrooms is we already made it legal to grow them and give them away and do them wherever I am. So I, I, I the thing about mushrooms, I'm like, yeah, that's the next thing. And then you go legislation. I go, wait, no, I don't want to do legislation. I just want to do mushrooms. Um, the yeah, goals are just to normalize medicine, normalize natural medicine. Cannabis and psilocybin are natural medicine. If you yeah, believe no. in God and you're religious, then they're God-given plants that were here to reset the system and take care of the human body. Uh, yeah. If you're not religious, then you can literally say, well, it's a plant that benefits me like lavender. We're complicating a problem that's very uncomplicated. No, it, it just it, it just reminds me that like even with cannabis right now, uh, the, the point is not legalization. It's almost a distraction. It's almost empowering the political process. What we care about is safe, legal, effective, or excuse me, not legal, safe, reliable access, safe, reliable, cheap access to the whole panoply of natural medicines that have been kept from us by the drug war and government, right? How it ends, like, and how it becomes, like, I don't really care. As far as I'm concerned, they could, they could say that, you know, picking your nose is illegal in Washington, D.C. If they can never come on my property to, to write me a ticket for it, fuck them. You know, and it, it, we got to apply... You know, broader thinking so yes there is there is i'm not discounting your work but that it's it's measurement is not in in legalization it's measurement is in how much access do we do we create for people and and i think that's that's what we need to be celebrating in this victory because it was a major turning point by that measure thank you and and we're so excited to just keep trying. I mean, we've never been perfect. We're regular people that came together trying to make a difference. I mean, literally nine months ago, I was slinging coffee. I mean, so we haven't been perfect and things have been hard and we went through a lot. But we are so proud that at least some patients by September will have some medicine. And you know what? By the next year, we're hoping that we can go in and make sure even more patients. We want to get people that are in jail out. And we want them home for the holidays. So we're we're we've been in planning mode for so long to try to to make this state better. And we're not going to stop. The time of the corrupt Mississippi politician is done. We're not going to allow Amen. it anymore. Amen. Bethany, how can people connect with you? What what do you, what we want people to be able to donate to support your efforts? Who care about supporting your your work? And and uh, what is a critical front? In, in the war on drugs where cannabis legalization is still a relevant fight, sadly, in the backwards ass state, as some people would call it, of Mississippi, especially when hearing talks like That's, this. We got a reputation, uh, but we do. <laughs> but also, where people 
importantly, if not more so regionally and in, in, in the state to hook up with you as volunteers. So please tell us how they can connect with you and your quick pitch for that. Yeah, so um, we have the arena organization, which just launched last week, and that is our public policy and cannabis activist group. Uh, also, MCNN will be relaunching in March, and we'll have new shows coming out. We've been working with a new production team on that, so it'll have a whole brand new launch in the next couple of months. Uh, and then we actually have a lot of things going on as far as the Mississippi Cannabis Industry Expo, CannaFest, uh, you name it. So follow the arena organization. That's where we're going to start putting all of our updates. And of course, you can follow us on MCNN. Uh, we'll be putting updates on there before we relaunch our new shows. Awesome. Thank you so much for all your work and for joining yeah. us tonight, Beth. Thank you. Well, that you were going to say something to say, no, dear. I'm sorry. I should have it. I looked up. You're too and high this Are you tripping? No, I'm, um, I'm taken back by all the... Uh, You've got Maxine Waters in your Odyssey comments right. just blowing it up with terrible, terrible racist and anti-Semitic language. Oh, so we've got one of those trolling us? Yeah, those trolls. Well, we don't have like, time uh, to indulge it. Because like, I like, I love, no, I like the trolls for entertainment value, but this isn't entertaining. Like, I want I want entertaining trolls next time. Yeah. Okay. Try harder. Yeah. Um, Week. Troll harder. Basic bitch trolling. Okay. Well, our, our, I was only planning on two hours for the show tonight, so we didn't build a break in. I so our, our COVID block is going to be really short because my bladder is really full, <laughs> and I don't want to talk. Well, this we're all. It's only a weekly COVID block now. Okay. Um. And, and so it, it's like a, a mixed bag. We're going to start with. No this party. this shock video comedian brags about being back seconds before fainting on stage. This is Heather McDonald. I on and, and everybody should go watch the videos on my Twitter. Um, I honestly thought it was fake. It is so, and the audience thought it was a joke too. If you watch the video, you'll hear the audience laughing. They thought it was a joke. So Heather McDonald faints on stage while bragging about being vaccinated. I mean, it's like. And and the reason I know it's real is she she got I mean I don't know this could be fake too but then you, well, she wouldn't do it for the joke she got a skull fracture doing it oh my god and you go yeah she's right I'm, anyway go watch the video you should play the video it. it's forty seconds whatever oh. um and and it really is visual too to see her on stage but anyway this headline is top of dredge right now from APNews.com under pressure to ease up Biden ways new virus response that's that's the the, the take of the federal government right now and where we're at with the narrative falling apart. Hollywood reporter, uh, dot com also has this headline Oscars COVID-19 vaccination will not be required for in-person attendees. Good for you, Oscars. No, that's, that fuck that. Um, the, the point is they can't do it at this point. They can't. It's, it's, it's so the, 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 the remember the core lie is that COVID-19 represents a special threat that justifies coercive intervention and government policy to X, blah, 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 right? And Karenin and Karenin, Karen is now a verb, um, <laughs> virtue signaling and all that. And the fact that they're not doing it is just one indicator of the national mood. But as I've said before, they could bring it back at any time. And so this headline, I forget where the thing this was in the producer's club, from live science newfound variant of hiv progresses to aids faster and maybe more transmissible sub headline available treatments work equally well against the variant now 
be afraid of AIDS might be the next thing to keep people divided. Look, I, be, I have to say it had a major effect on me. I was never afraid of drugs, but I was afraid of sex. I said, Joe, you can't interrupt because I got to pee. But yeah, better be fucking quick. AIDS is making a comeback. That's it. I right. Well, that's, 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 that's what they could use. And all this medical theory now, that, because we have accepted the lie. We have people, we have joined as a society, we have primarily joined government in the lie that unique biological threats can be justification for coercive government intervention. And that is fundamentally fucking untrue. Whether the virus is a threat or not, to what degree it's a threat or not is irrelevant. The way I phrase that very specifically. And again, what if you say that, that is what gets you censored. Jerusalem Post, jpost.com, COVID-19 booster shot can cause irregular mental periods, health ministry. Oh, what? Is this another I told you so for the conspiracy theorists over here? Just people who are skeptical of the COVID is bullshit narrative. Yeah, I, I, they, the hits keep on coming. Joey, you got to give me this one. I had to cover it. Seriously. Yeah. Another, yeah, meds, yeah with blood plotting. Meds, yeah. The, the people who said it was effective now say it's not effective. You need more boosters. You think they were telling the truth when they said it's safe? No. 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 All right. We're going to end, though. No producer notes. I really have to pee that bad. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to end. That's, that's a cue for Jim to have the outro. Unless Jim, Jim, any ombudsman notes? We'll give Jim the fill in here. Jim, did I get anything no. wrong? Anything? No ombudsman notes. I also have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> All right. Well, then we're going to, since, especially since we had the Adam looks like a Canadian trucker, we're going to end out, end the show with a quick meme shout out to the Canadian trucker protest. This is, uh, from at Vol Memes, which is now known as Truckers Against Tyrants on Telegram, my favorite meme channel on Telegram. I see them all day, every day. And it's a picture of uh, Pepe the Frog with a clown nose and clown hair. You see this, right? And the meme says, if you don't like honks, you shouldn't have created Clown World. <laughs> and with that, mwah, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. Thank <laughs> you.